Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Plant Powered People Podcast with your hosts, Michelle Kane and Tony Okamoto. We're really excited to talk today about meatless Mondays. Now, this might seem like a very non controversial topic, but <laughs> it actually has a little bit more to it than uh, is apparent on the surface. And it's an incredible, powerful movement that's been endorsed by figures like Paul McCartney and institutions all around the world um, as an initiative to um, move move food in a more sustainable, animal-friendly, and just overall kinder direction. Uh, but it's actually a, a concept that is a, a little bit controversial among some. There's a school of thought that believes that any conversation around meat reduction is harmful because it condones the behavior of consuming animals. Um, and I, t- I, Tony and I, at least I'm coming from the position of, obviously, I would love animals not to be slaughtered. My dream is for all the cruelty and suffering to go away in the world. But realistically, that's not the world that we live in. And I'm now trying to look at what I can do in my life that can make the biggest impact, reduce the most suffering, and um, really move the overall needle. We talk a lot about on the show about the idea of perfectionism and that there's no such thing as a perfect vegan. And we try and keep this space very encouraging and inspiring for people. But since this is a big philosophy that uh, goes around. We just want to share another perspective, the the beauty of Meatless Mondays and the power that that concept can hold if we embrace this idea of sm- supporting and encouraging small steps um, and taking away elements of perhaps shame or um, encouraging people in the opposite direction, I suppose. And we are so excited to bring on our friend, Christy Middleton. She is someone that I deeply respect and Michelle knows her well and uh, and for a long time. And she's just been a, an amazing advocate throughout her entire career for different companies and organizations making a massive change for animals and their and their welfare. And she is going to be helping us discuss some of the obstacles that people face when implementing Meatless Mondays in their institutions, as well as a lot of words of encouragement and her own experience in seeing seeing through the process of implementing Meatless Mondays. And she shares some examples that are really, really extremely powerful. So um, we are super excited about this episode and we hope you enjoy. Before we jump into the show, we want to give a big thank you to the sponsor of this episode, Caraway Home. They make the most beautiful, modern, non-toxic, eco-friendly, non-stick, super easy to clean cookware. We're talking pots, pans, they have cookie sheets, um, muffin tins and beyond, and the food just slides right off. So it's super easy cleanup, which is a big thing for me as a busy mom. And I know for many others who are just trying to simplify life in the kitchen, um, caraway pans feature a ceramic coating that has a naturally slick surface. And so that's how the food just slides off in a non-toxic way. Caraway pans come in super gorgeous colors. I have the slate green. I love it. But they have some other beautiful ones you can see on their website. And we're absolutely obsessed with ours. So visit carawayhome.com and they have a special discount code for our listeners. You can get 10% off your next purchase if you enter the code PLANTPOWEREDKITCHEN at checkout. P-L-A-N-T, Powered Kitchen at checkout at carawayhome.com. Thanks, Caraway. 
We'd also like to thank our second sponsor, Maxine's Heavenly Cookies. They are so tasty. They make homemade style cookies that are sweetened with unrefined coconut sugar and dates. They also have these really soft baked cookies. And uh, those are my personal fave. My one that I've been loving, loving lately is the peanut butter uh, chocolate chunk cookies. I feel like anything with chocolate chunks is automatically my favorite. I like those too. But they also recently launched crispy cookies that are equally delicious. If you like a crispy cookie, you've got to check them out. They have a cinnamon speculoos crunch. Speculoos is that cookie butter stuff. And it is so good. These cookies are to die for. Um, Their crispy cookie bundle is available on their website at maxinesheavenly.com along with all their other cookies. Um, Their other cookies you can find in stores right now. And I'm sure they'll all be hitting shelves at some point soon. So keep an eye out for Maxine's Heavenly. You can also get 25% off. They're giving a special code to our listeners with the code PLANTS25, P-L-A-N-T-S 25 at maxinesheavenly.com. Go get some cookies. Hi, Christy. Welcome to the Plant Powered People podcast. Hey, Tony. Thanks so much for having me on. We have been friends with Christy, as we mentioned, for quite some time. And I just love all of the work that you do with Rebellious and all of the work that you've done at the Humane Society. And I remember going to watch one of your presentations here in Sacramento. Do you remember what it was called? It was a it was a presentation where people from different institutions, uh, prison cafeterias, hospital cafeterias, school cafeterias, etc., uh, came and learned about implementing Meatless Mondays. What was that called? It was uh, Forward Food, and oh, it was yeah. a program from the Humane Society where we would teach those types of institutions, why more of their guests are likely looking for plant-based options and gave them practical solutions from recipe ideas to hands-on training for what they could serve on their menus to address the growing demand. I loved being present there, not only because you're a fantastic presenter, but also because as a pretty hardcore vegan, I just some I sometimes think like, oh, why isn't everybody doing this? It's so easy to implement Meatless Mondays. But then hearing what people who are in the position to make change um, have to deal with in terms of nutrition requirements and budgets and pushback from the people they feed and their parents uh, was really eye-opening to me. And I we would love to dig deep into all of that. But first, I just would love to have you introduce yourself. Okay, great. Well, I look forward to sharing more about that. I had a really great conversation with someone just yesterday who's working in the field and um, just reminds me of how difficult that work is. But hello, I'm Christy Middleton, and I'm currently the Vice President of Business Development for Rebellious Foods, where we make delicious, affordable, and hopefully soon widely available plant-based chicken nuggets, patties, and tenders. And I can dive more into what we do at Rebellious um, as we have this conversation. And um, I'm a career animal activist. I graduated from college in Virginia, went to work for PETA fresh out of college after I learned about factory farming. And I'm really fortunate to have spent my entire career advocating on behalf of animals, both in the nonprofit sector and now at a startup that's trying to provide solutions to give people delicious alternatives to their favorite animal-based foods. 
I'm also the author of Meat Less, Transform the Way You Eat and Live One Meal at a Time, um, which came out five years ago, which is hard to believe. What I think is so cool about having you on, Christy, is you do have that background in passionately advocating for animals. So I think the concept of meat-free Mondays or meatless Mondays can feel kind of unsettling to someone who is vegan, who obviously wants us to live in a perfectly kind, perfectly uh, perfect world where there aren't animals being slaughtered. Um, But your history kind of signals that you've landed in this place where um, you've tried all the things and you've ended up finding that advocating for things like Meatless Mondays in bigger institutions can make a huge impact and in some ways a far greater impact than the vegan advocacy work that you've done. Perhaps maybe, I don't know how you feel about that, but it, but you were actually one of the very first vegans that I met when I moved back to the Bay Area after college. And I remember doing all sorts of advocacy things on the streets with you, handing out vegan food and vegan bake sales and all these things that we'd organized from a grassroots level. And it's been so cool seeing you evolve in your career to think not only about how can you get this message to one person, but how can you truly implement the greatest societal shifts and change that's going to really move the world forward in a direction to kinder food choices? Yeah, those were the days. I miss getting out on the street and giving out samples of food and then surprising people when they find out that it's vegan. <laughs> um, but yeah, to your point, um, you know, it's, I've spent a lot of time working in this space and definitely when I first became vegan was a dogmatic, everybody has to go vegan. Um, I, I had a fun t-shirt that said, go vegan or die. I think from herbivore <laughs> clothing company, I think it was supposed to be like skate or die, but you know, um, the point is very, very hardcore vegan and, um, you know, wanted to change the world to everybody going vegan. And then over the years, because of the sorts of advocacy we were doing, um, and, you know, around, um, 2013, I believe it was, um, started working with institutions on Meatless Monday, recognizing that while, you know, of course it would be a blissful world if everyone would go vegetarian or vegan, that we could still make the same sort of tangible difference for our animals, for the environment, for public health, if people could just reduce the amount of meat by one-seventh, one day out of the week. And it was a program that was initially started by the Johns Hopkins School of Public Health and the Monday campaigns around that time. However, it was an old school campaign initially doing Meatless Monday during World War One, that was done for the purpose of resource conservation. So, of course, we all know that meat production, animal um, agriculture in general is very resource intensive. It requires lots of land, water, fertilizer, fuel, and other resources to produce meat significantly more than plant-based foods. And that was something that they knew during wartime. So Americans were called upon to go meat-free one day a week to do their part to support the troops. And then it was brought back during World War II. So um, Sid Lerner, who was the founder of the Monday Campaigns, he was a former um, madman, if anybody watched that series. So he was a Madison Avenue advertising um, person who, after retirement, wanted to do something to improve public health. And he recalled that wartime campaign and thought, well, 
you know, it's again, going to be very difficult to get everybody to go vegetarian or vegan. Um, but if we could reduce the amount of meat people were eating by one day a week, we could definitely make a very big impact. So that program caught on. We learned about it when I was at the Humane Society and had been working with institutions on improving animal welfare and their food supply chain and decided great way that they could improve animal welfare was simply by serving less meat. And it got very wide appreciation, um, wide adoption, starting with large school districts. I believe the first school district I worked with was Detroit Public Schools. um, And their Meatless Monday became so popular that they did a Meatless Friday as well. So two out of five days a week, their entire menus were vegetarian, which was something that we were very excited and proud of. And then we started seeing larger school districts like the Los Angeles Unified School District, which at the time was serving about 700,000 meals a day, going meat-free for an entire day out of the week. So I was very excited to see that this was a program that people were excited to adopt. They saw it as a great way to introduce the week with a healthier start and also to introduce their guests to foods that they may not otherwise have tried, but found that they liked after they got an opportunity to sample them. That's that's so awesome. And I'm wondering when your shift, uh, when your personal shift went from I am wearing shirts that say go vegan or die to being more pragmatic. Was it around that time you took on that position, uh, helping implement Meatless Mondays at different institutions, or were you already just as someone who's vegan living an everyday life that um, is not always accommodating to, to vegans, kind of forced into being more pragmatic just because of your family, your friends, or I guess I was going to say your work, but not your work, <laughs> um, just in general. Yeah. I mean, at the time, I, I feel like it was around when I started working for the Humane Society and you know saw that the softened approach actually won more people over. Um, you know, before working on the Meatless Monday program uh, or meat reduction program, I would work with large corporations and same type of institutions to help them with improving animal welfare and their supply chains. And, you know, I, I think having come from a more dogmatic background, I had a vision of some of these executives as like the bad guys, if you will. And I started to realize these are just people who are doing a job and maybe they, you know, they also care about animals and they care about you know, the planet, but they need to put food on their tables for their families. And so started seeing folks like that as allies instead of enemies or, or adversaries and recognize that if we could take a more simplistic approach and ask people to do something that was very small, it could, and and lots of people adopted it, it could add up to making a much bigger difference. And if we could get those select few to go 100% of the way. So I I believe it was really the approach of the organization and my um, seeing people through a different lens that when we could actually sit down and get to know folks and understand what their um, motivations were and what the barriers were um, for them to get to where we were trying to go, whether it was trying to move them to you know, cage-free eggs from chickens who are not confined in tiny cages that are so small they can't even extend their wings, um, or moving away from gestation crates, um, 
which are crates where pregnant pigs are confined for the duration of their pregnancy and they can't even turn around. So we were asking them to make what seemed like very moderate changes, um, but of course would require dramatic shifts in their supply chain. Um, but you know, we'd even start with a percentage, get 2% of your eggs or 5% of your eggs to cage-free and build on that. And so recognizing that those things seemed a little more doable, that asking people to just get their foot in the door could lead to much better changes or much greater changes at the end of the day. Change is really hard. And when you're talking about shifting just your own personal diet, that's hard and you're in control of what you're grocery shopping for. <laughs> but when someone else is control in control of like the food provided for your institution or whatever, like, yeah, change is just really hard. And it's so cool seeing that when you give an opportunity to just try something without feeling the overwhelming burden of like this has to completely shift all the way, people become so much more open to it. And like I just from following your career, career peripherally, Christy, um, there's a lot of work that goes in on your end too, like training how to cook vegetarian meals, how to cook without dairy, how to cook without eggs, um, like how to cook on a big scale and feed people in a way that they're going to really love and that they'll choose those options as happily as they would choose the meat options. And it's not until you sort of practice that on a small scale that you'd even be able to envision or hope to implement it on a bigger scale. But once you have those recipes in your wheelhouse and they're as simple and easy and affordable and all the things as the other options, why not start bringing them to the table beyond just the meatless Mondays as well? So it's just such a powerful way to get get people in the door. And I mean, I also see it with my own family. There's there's kind of m multiple benefits to the meatless Monday approach. And one is for the type of, I'm, I'm going to talk about it on a personal le level rather than an institution level, but there's either the type of person that's never going vegan, right? Like we all know those people. <laughs> They're just like, it's not going to happen. I don't even want to hear about it. Just you eat your food over here. I'm going to swing by KFC over here, you know? And I have two of them uh, in my close family, my my father-in-law, who's actually here right now, and today he's doing an all-vegan day. <laughs> and Not he would kidding. never consider outside of that. And then also my brother-in-law, my husband's brother, both from Ohio, a uh, huge meat lover. And for one year, he gave me a gift and said, I'm going to go vegetarian on Friday, every Friday. So he has, uh, or I think it's Wednesday, every Wednesday. And he's now been doing it for years. And this is not someone who would ever have considered going full time. And now it's been probably collectively years because it's been like over 10 years that he's been doing this, I think. Um, so he, his collective impact is just huge. And it just shows like the, the power of, um, not demanding perfection from those around us and rather just leading by positive example and giving people the permission and support and encouragement to take those steps and also like not just the support, but like really give them the support. Like, do they need recipes? How can you help? Can you show them some restaurants? Can you teach the, you know, them how to cook for their institution? That makes such a huge difference. Absolutely. I mean, those are the sorts of resources that we used to provide at the Humane Society. And I know um, when we would organize Oakland Veg Week here, we would do shopping tours where we'd show people in the grocery store where they could find certain ingredients that are always there, but they may never just go look in that section. So providing them, as you're saying, the, the moral support of saying, hey, it's okay. You don't have to go 100%. Any step in the right direction is something that's laudable and I'm here to support you. And what else do you need? What are the obstacles to getting to where you want to go?
I think that so much about the hesitation that people experience, and I know this from my own experience, is um, I want to say I don't I don't know if the right word is ignorance. Maybe it is. Uh, but when I didn't know about vegetarian food, I was very opposed to it. And I've told this story on the podcast before of the first time I had gone to a vegetarian restaurant and my friend who was vegan told me I could order anything. And I, uh, it was a Vietnamese restaurant and I only ordered white rice because everything else just looked scary and intimidating. And I didn't know what it was. And, and one of my favorite things about people who are focusing on Meatless Mondays is that support, is the recipes that are being sent and the videos. And right now on social media, if you follow organizations like Meatless Mondays or people who are really focusing on on um, incremental change, it, it makes it seem fun and doable and not like it's something that is going to have to change your entire way of eating and your the way you feed your family and how you eat out at restaurants forever. Uh, and I really appreciate that because it took me a long time to first decide to try something that was vegetarian. And I had very limited experience in eating international foods. I, I had eaten like chow mein and pasta and Mexican food, uh, but not Ethiopian and Indian and Vietnamese and a lot of other foods that I now really, 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 really enjoy. So I, I really appreciate that about the work that you have done and the work that people are currently doing to promote Meatless Mondays and other initiatives that are similar. Yeah, you make an excellent point. Um, so I grew up in Virginia and you know we I would say that the most exotic foods that we ate growing up was tacos or enchiladas. Um, so it was not until I became vegan that I started exploring other foods. I never had sushi and now avocado rolls are my go-to. And it's a great thing to eat when you're traveling because you can find them almost anywhere. Uh, but I never had Thai food or Ethiopian food. So that's one of the things that I appreciate about a Meatless Monday is it could be a good way for people to experiment with trying new foods or introducing their families to new foods that they've never had before. And of course, the world of vegetables is so much greater than the world of, of animals. You don't you have so much more than chicken, fish, steak, or pork. Um, so it's a just a great way to try out new foods and introduce your kids or your loved ones to something that they may not have ever had an opportunity to taste before. I have a question and and you may not know the answer off of your head, which is okay. I can look it up and include it in the show notes. But is there any data on the um, the animals spared for meatless? We'll say um, when the LA district went meatless Mondays, how many animals were spared? Because I know that in my mind, when I was really hardcore about everybody being vegan, I, I was never in your face about it, but I felt it deeply in my heart. And I wanted to convert like one family member. And that was my goal. Uh, instead of being okay that everyone was eating a little bit less meat. And so I'm wondering if there's any data that we can point to that show how many more animals are spared or how it's better for the environment to have a hundred people eat 
meatless Mondays versus one person in your life being fully vegan? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know about um, per 100 people, but the statistic that we used to use at the Humane Society was if the entire U.S. population um, just went meat-free one day a week, it would spare over 1.4 billion, with a B, animals annually. So it would make a dramatic difference. Of course, we're, we're raising and killing about 9 billion um farmed animals every year. So if we could all go meat free, we'd spare about 1.4 billion of those animals. And then there are varying um, stats on the environmental impact of a meat free Monday. Um, but there um, are statistics or organizations that say that um, meat, egg and dairy industries are responsible for 15% of human induced greenhouse gas emissions. Um, some stats say that it's way more than that. Um, but, you know, when it comes to eating local food, for example, a lot of people are eating locally because they feel like it's a way that they can reduce their environmental impact. But there was a study that was done by Carnegie Mellon University, and they concluded that if we all went meat-free one day a week, we could um, have a much bigger impact if we, than if we ate all of our food locally. So the environmental impacts, the animal welfare impacts are massive, of course. And then if you think about just like simple calculations, so 100 people uh, support or practicing a meatless Monday, or let's just say vegan Monday, that's equivalent to about 14 vegans, right? Because they're doing one out of every yeah. seven days. Vegans are doing seven out of every seven days. And I, I imagine it's way easier to get 100 people to drop just one day a week than it is to get 14 full-time lifetime, every meal, every ounce of animal products off their plate. That's It's it's hard to, to make a vegan, I'd say. And then the other piece of um, information that's interesting is just per year, if you're just doing meatless Mondays, it may not sound like a lot because it's just one day a week, but that's 52 days a, a year. Like that, that's more than a solid month vegan. Um, well more. And so the impact is is significant for sure. If you get seven people doing meatless Mondays, that's a vegan, right? Yeah, there you go. Exactly. You know, and, and I also, as I was, you know, we were asking about how I changed my approach, you know, I just did some reflection on my own transition and I realized I didn't go vegan overnight. So why am I expecting other people to? And, you know, I think that that tends to be the way that we we function though. It's like you, you become vegan, you know so many things that you didn't know and you want everybody to just follow your lead. But I've realized when I became vegetarian vegan, I first stopped eating red meat, like a lot of people do. And then I stopped eating. I never really ate a lot of seafood, stopped eating seafood, stopped eating chicken. That was the last food that I stopped eating, uh, the last meat that I stopped eating. And then was vegetarian for about a year before I became vegan. So that's one of the reasons that I felt like it was really important to give people permission or support the transition for folks to do things gradually at their own pace um, and to be kind and forgiving if they fell off the wagon or if um, they you know, accidentally ate something that um, wasn't vegetarian or vegan, that it's okay. It's about um, you know, moving in the right direction and not perfection. 
Definitely. I would love, Christy, if you have any stories to share. I remember one time I came with you to a school that I think you had worked with or you were peripherally involved with. And uh, we were doing some filming with someone who was involved in bringing more plant-based options to the school. And it was just so cool walking around this maybe it was an elementary school or middle school, middle school. And there were just meatless Monday posters all around the campus. And there was this huge salad bar that apparently had never been there before. And I remember a statistic being shared that like more, all the kids were choosing salad. And I just was like, what? I would think that even if that option is presented, no one would choose it. So I'd love to hear if you have any just really inspiring stories of how this technique really enabled you to make an impact in a small community uh, through an institution. Yeah, I mean, I have lots of stories. I remember that. Um, that was at Novato Unified School District up in the Northern California Marin uh, County area. And there the director, um, he was one of the first in the nation to start doing Meatless Monday on his menu. So he personally ate a plant-based diet, uh, heard about the program and decided to implement Meatless Monday. Um, they, they did get a little bit of pushback at first, but now his point was, it's one day a week. You know, there are all of these popular options like bean burritos that kids eat all the time that happen to be meatless. Those are the sorts of foods that we're serving. And, um, you know, they, they saw continued participation. That's what they're looking for in the lunch program is kids to keep on coming to the cafeteria. And as you said, salad bar, it was always popular, perennially popular for kids to go and enjoy the food on the salad bar. And it was also just a great way for them to introduce new food items. Um, there are other higher ed institutions. One of the favorite stories that I love sharing um, from that I shared in my book is a former food service director who was at American University in Washington, D.C. And um, he had been in the food service industry for a couple of decades and had bounced around to a couple of different schools. And then when he started at the um, started as the director at American University. He kept hearing from students that they wanted more vegan options, so he decided that he was going to try to be vegan on campus to see what it was like. Because he was like, "Oh, I've got all these vegan options. I don't know what you're talking about." So the first day that he tried eating a vegan diet, he said he ate a pear because he realized that they were right. They had some vegetarian options, but they didn't have great vegan options. So. I guess as some background on him, um, he was somebody who was morbidly obese. He had gotten to over um, 350 pounds and he had started experiencing a lot of negative health impacts. He talked about how he would go try to go for a jog or do things to get the weight off and he would end up having to lay down after he jogged for a mile um, and wouldn't be able to get up for an hour because he was so exhausted. He was on all kinds of medications. He was suffering from um, knee issues because he was carrying around so much much weight. So after, you know, flash forward, he decides he's going to try this vegan diet at the school. And um, he talked to the dietitians when he realized that they didn't have enough options, talked to the chefs, and they started adding more plant-based options to their menu. So the students benefited, but then he started seeing lots of benefits himself. So he started dropping the weight so quickly that the students and the staff called him the incredible shrinking man. And people started becoming concerned that he was sick because the weight was coming off so quickly. Um, anyway, he ended up continuing to do uh, to stay on a vegan diet. He implemented Meatless Monday on campus. He opened an entire plant-based dining station and saw widespread adoption on campus for plant-based options. And 
the best piece of advice that he gave, um, I remember him telling me specifically that if he could tell anybody, try it yourself because you're not going to believe it coming from me, but it's the best decision that you can possibly make. And the only way you're going to know is by trying it yourself. So I, I love that this is somebody who was challenging himself. He ended up going all the way. Um, he did say that if there was something that he really liked or um, the one example he provided was soft shell crabs, big thing in, you know, on the eastern seaboard in summertime. If those were served somewhere, he might cheat and have those, but by and large, his diet was going to be plant-based and he continued sticking with it and seeing those positive health impacts. But I love that story because it shows that you know, the difference that the plant-based lifestyle can make, but that somebody else who's in that position, um, he was not going to make the entire cafeteria vegan, but it allowed him to offer more options. And then he also realized he could cheat, if you will, a little bit, but still have the same massive impact on a day-to-day -day basis that he was intending to have on the world. That is so inspiring. I'm curious if you have any tips for our listeners who maybe are plugged into different sorts of institutions. I know some of your work when you were with Humane Society was empowering people to take action themselves in their communities. Do you have any tips for people who maybe want to bring a, a Meatless Monday initiative to their church or temple or their group or their school or their college or wherever, their workplace? What tips do you have for them? Yeah, I would start out if you are... A kid in school or you have a kid in school or you work at a hospital or somewhere where food is served, um, take a look at their menu, see what's already on there, find out who's in charge of making menu decisions. At a school district, usually there's one person who makes a decision for the entire district or a couple of people, but they're making decisions for the entire district rather than individual school sites. Um, try to set up a meeting or a conversation with them compliment them on what they're already doing and provide some resources. If they're interested in doing a Meatless Monday, you can provide them with examples from other school districts and, and you can find these easily online or people can reach out to me. I'm, I'm sure you can provide my contact information in the show notes. Um, I can provide examples of what other districts are already doing, um, what you would like to see or what your kid would like to see on the menu and um, be there to support throughout the process. So one of the things that we would do is provide sample recipes and then social media support and, you know, as we were talking about at the very beginning of this conversation, there are so many obstacles for these institutions just to get food on the plate. So we're talking about schools that may be serving 200 students to 200,000 students. And if you think about the window for dining time, usually like 11 in the morning to maybe 1 p.m. or something, but they have to get people in and out in a very short amount of time. But aside from that, all of the nuances that go into making these meal decisions. They have nutrition regulations that they have to adhere to. Their schools are incredibly price sensitive. And then, of course, there's staff. You know, there are people who may have been a janitor before they went to work in the kitchen, so they may not have a lot of culinary skills. And on top of that, um, there are all of the operations nuances, like the directors are in charge of training people on the point of sale um, system. So massive obstacles. Um, 
And you want to make it as easy as possible for these programs to succeed and also just be complimentary and appreciative of their time because these are people who are you know, getting into the industry because they care about kids, they care about food and nutrition, and they want to do their very best. But sometimes because of all these obstacles, it's not that easy. So I think the best thing that you can do is be a positive resource, see what they're obstacles are and trying to help them with finding solutions and then cheer them on along the way. One of the things that I would always like to do is if a school adopted Meatless Monday, send them a little certificate of appreciation and a letter to their boss saying, hey, thanks, this person did a really good job. Um, You know, and then if you are not with an institution or you're not, um, you know, you don't have those sorts of resources or contacts and you want to adopt a program at your church or encourage a program, um, you can just arrange a potluck or, you know, routine um, event where you're doing culinary uh, instruction, teaching people how to make really simple foods, and then getting them to sign a pledge, um, encouraging them to participate in Meatless Monday or um, pledging to do Meatless Monday. So in in my book, I talk about um, some, I share some tips and tricks for how to help these things stick because a lot of times we set intentions, but we don't always stick with our intentions. So a few of them, um, and one that I just alluded to is writing a pledge or um, taking a pledge, writing down our goals, because if we do that, we're about 40 to 42% more likely to actually stick with them if we write them down or we tell somebody else or we make a commitment that we're going to actually do something rather than just thinking, I'm going to start Meatless Monday. And the other thing is rallying the herd, getting your friends and family or your community to join you. Um, my the favorite example I like to give out is um, how our eating habits are contagious. And I think everybody can probably relate to if you go to dinner and the server comes over after you've eaten your entree and says, do you want dessert? A lot of people look to their dining companion and say, "Eh, I don't know. How about you? So we're Mm -hmm. very influenced by our community um, and we can have a positive influence or a negative influence. So if you can get your friends and family to join you on these things rather than antagonizing you for them, you'll be more likely to actually stick with it. And then um, changing your environment just to make it a lot easier. So Put the foods that you want to eat more of at eye level in the refrigerator. Prepare them in advance. Um, I love eating salads, but if I have to construct one every day, you know, getting a you know bunch of raw ingredients out, washing them, cutting them up, really low likelihood that I'm going to do that. So do meal planning on Sunday or on the weekend and get all of those things together. Make them convenient and easy access. Um, and then there are things you're trying to avoid keep them out of sight, put them high up on a shelf or in the back of the freezer, um, or just don't bring them into the house at all. And if you get a hankering for a burger, then you have to leave the house to go get one. Um, And then also try to, when you go to the grocery store, um, reduce options because options can be very overwhelming, which is a good thing in some ways because now we have a lot more variety of plant-based options to choose from, um, but it can also be a bit overwhelming. So one of the things that I like to do is instead of going and looking at you know the almond, oat, so- soy milk, um, hemp milk, there are so many these days, I decide I'm just always going to get oat milk. It makes, it, it makes the decision a lot easier than going in and looking at this giant store shelf and trying to figure out which one I'm going to eat. Those are, those are great practical tips. And uh, gosh, she said so much that I would like to respond to. I don't even know where to begin. You have so many awesome things to think about. And 
I guess the most important one that stuck out, stuck out to me was uh, the power that we have as individuals. And Michelle mentioned this earlier as well, but I feel like it doesn't have to be a grand gesture in, in your church or in your school. It can be bringing cupcakes to movie night at your friend's house and and sharing a vegan dessert that everyone can enjoy and that harmed no animals. And sometimes I found that when I do that, someone is inspired to make that recipe and move forward for the rest of their cupcake making life using that that particular vegan recipe. So I hope that if you're listening or if anyone is listening, you don't feel overwhelmed by the opportunities and you can start small in your own friend circle or with your family and uh, share a, a nice plant-based meal with people. I think that gets you really far too. And then the other thing I wanted to talk about was impact that these people in powerful positions at institutions who are making up the menus or working on making up the menus with with several other people uh, have on people like me who are vegetarian and then vegan. It makes it so much easier when you're at the hospital um, visiting your loved one for days on end to eat at the hospital. Or, you know, I went to go visit my brother at Fort Jackson military base and I was surprised that they had silk milk, uh, in one of those pourable containers for, for cereal. And, mm-hmm. and it's so awesome to go out into the world and, and, have options that I can eat and eat with my family at places that I would not expect to eat. So I really, really appreciate on a personal level how it it's not only helping everyone else and helping animals, but it's also helping me enjoy food more. A great way to just be delighted, right? I remember the only time in my traveling career that I've ever encountered soy milk in a hotel breakfast buffet, I was like, oh my God, is this for real? Can this be happening? Um, And it was at a hotel in Portland, Oregon. So yeah, I mean, people in large feeding opportunities, smaller feeding opportunities can still have that opportunity to delight and surprise their guests. That is so cool. And yeah, I mean, I know there's different types of people and those who are um, leaders or who enjoy taking leadership roles. It's just so cool what you can do as an individual, even if you're not a person of power in these institutions. I actually just went to look up because I remembered that when I was in college, I organized some kind of like one day vegan uh, initiative at the dining halls on campus. And I just found the flyer. Maybe I'll put this in our show notes because it's just kind of funny. It's from 2008 and it's called the College Veg Pledge. And I think there were a bunch of colleges that were sort of picking this up at the time, but this is just a flyer I designed uh, on my computer in 2008. So you can imagine the clip art involved in this situation. Um, but it reminds me of a few things. One, okay, one individual student who wants to make a difference can have an entire campus go meat free and it was not that hard. And then it gave me the excuse and the reason to be able to put these flyers all over campus for like a month and a half ahead of time. And it just plants this seed, this idea, like on the, on the flyer, it says, 
uh, go meat free for one day. And it has like a quote from the UN about, you know, uh, the impact on the environment and on animals and CO2. And it's just this sort of sustainability initiative. So it plants that seed. But also it reminds me that had I had in my mind an example of someone bringing Meatless Monday to a college, I would have shot for that instead of one day of the whole year. <laughs> um, and had I had like the resources or just example of, of knowing, oh, here's how you work with your college. Here's the type of people you need to meet with to be able to move the bar on this. Um, a, a young individual, one person can make tremendous change or can at least start building the building blocks um, for the next person to come in there and make more change. Um, and each of those steps that you do might feel very personal to you. But just like you're both saying, it impacts every other plant-based eater, vegan eater, environmentalist, anyone looking out for our planet or our world. It just makes it easier for them coming afterwards. So. Um, encourage you to step into those leadership roles. And those of you who already are, big clap, clap, clap to you. <laughs> Christy, I want to leave our, our audience members with some inspiration. And I, I know as someone who has been... Uh, I haven't used the word activist in a long time, I guess. Uh, as someone who has been an activist for... a a good chunk of my life, I, I would say the most deflating thing can be negative pushback. And I remember, um, feeding people who were really hungry and they were upset that it was vegetarian. And I've, I've tried to uh, be active in other places as well, where people were very, very negative. Um, with me wanting to stay aligned with my values of being vegan. Can you give anyone who's listening and interested, or maybe they already are active and they're experiencing that kind of negativity, can you give them an uplifting and positive wor word of encouragement? Push back, be afraid to try something new, um, you know, or, or just not be nice. There are people out there who are going through stuff all the time. We never know what they're going through and what their motivations are. Um, but I can share some great examples, um, some, some fun ones from my company, Rebellious, and the responses that we get to our food. In fact, just yesterday, um, I had sent samples overnight to a school district of some new products that we have coming out for the fall school year, some patties and tenders in addition to the nuggets we offer for schools. And the director wrote me back and she said, the package says these are vegan. Are they 100 100% vegan because the kids liked these better than the Tyson patties. Um, can't get better feedback than that. So I was super delighted to hear that. Um, and then, of course, I've encountered a lot of people who won't even try it because it's plant-based. Um, at the recent Expo West, where I had the privilege of seeing Tony very briefly, we had um, someone stop by our booth who tried our nugget, and this is kind of gross, so just prepare yourselves, um, popped it in her mouth spit it out and was like, I'm vegan. Are you sure this is vegan? And then decided to go ahead and eat it after she found out that it was. So I would also say surf good food. If you are out doing these food giveaways, um, make sure that it's delicious. Most people are never going to know the difference. Um, Michelle and I, when we would do the food giveaways, would often do tofuti cuties or little ice cream sandwiches um, and then tell people that they were vegan. So the food is good. That's going to give people a great experience. And then hopefully you won't 
face that sort of pushback. If you do, just know that you know, you're out there trying to make a difference in the world. Not everybody's going to agree with you, but you are going to change some people's hearts and minds. So um, thank you from the bottom of my heart for the important work that people are out there doing, um, trying to expose folks to these options. Um, and it doesn't happen overnight. Change is not going to necessarily happen. So you may not see people who walk into the grocery store and walk out with what you've just sampled, but you've exposed them to it. And that's going to certainly be in their mind moving forward when they go out and go to the grocery store in the future. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today, Christy. And we're going to make sure to link Rebellious and we'll also link your book, of course. And uh, I'll also include your email if that's okay, if anyone wants to reach out to you about uh, getting involved in Mila's Monday or or in any way at their um, church, school, workplace, wherever. Is that okay? Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you again. We really appreciate it. It was so much fun talking with you all. Thank you so much. Before we sign off, we want to give another shout out to our sponsor of this episode. Don't forget to check them out. If you want to upgrade your pots and pans and cookware, you can visit carewayhome.com and use our special show code plantpoweredkitchen at checkout for 10% off your next purchase. Also, don't forget to check out Maxine's Heavenly and their amazing, delicious cookies. You can find them at maxinesheavenly.com or in some of your favorite grocery stores, most likely. Uh, But if you head to their website, you can get 25% off with the code PLANTS25. I'm sure by now you can understand why Michelle and I both deeply respect Christy and we admire her as someone who's a longtime activist, but also as a person, she is so kind and compassionate. And we are grateful that she spent her time today on our podcast. We hope that you'll check out her book, Meatless, which we we will include in the show notes. And we'd also love to hear from you. This whole episode left me really inspired to find other small ways I can be active in my own communities. And, uh, and I'm not really sure how I'm going to do that. Maybe I will start something in the swing dance community to introduce people to more plant-based eating. Um, but I will, I will keep thinking about it and I hope that you will too. When you decide how you're going to be active, please let us know in our review section on Apple Podcasts. You can let us know pretty much anything uh, that you have found inspiring about our show, but specifically we'd love to hear how you are going to be active in your own communities. That's an easy way that you can write us a little message that not only supports the show, but also we're guaranteed to read. We so appreciate all of you who have dropped us little notes there and even constructive feedback, criticism. We'll take it all. (laughs) Um, So thank you so much for listening. You can check out all the show notes at plantpoweredpodcast.com and we will see you in the next episode. Bye everyone. Bye.